All right, I'm going to do something risky here. I'm going to invite uh, any child over the past eight, ten weeks that has helped call out the Apostle Paul. I'm going to invite all of you to come forward and join me. Anyone who wants to come help, we're going to get a we're going to get get a bunch of voices. Come on down. We're going to get a bunch of voices to call out the Apostle Paul. Come on down, Spencer, Chloe, Charlotte. Come on down. Anyone else? Anyone else want to? You don't have to, but you're welcome to. Just three? All right. At least I didn't get skunked. I've got three of you. All right, so we're going to face the courtyard. I'll hold the mic in front of you guys, and you just have to repeat after me, okay? You ready? So face the courtyard, repeat after me. Thelona. Noriso. Noriso. Tom Christo. Tom Christo. All right, let's have a seat, please, guys. Maranatha, thank you for coming to see me. If any of you are here for the first time, I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm the least of the apostles of Jesus Christ and most likely the one closest to death. I can't tell you how much your visits mean to me. Being alone in imprisonment is a, is a daunting thing and is, and is valuable as your visits are, as encouraging as they are, I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to stop coming. It, it's not safe in Rome anymore for you to be identified with me. E- even the act of just coming to my home could likely put you or your family in grave danger and peril. And I can't afford to have that on my heart So my concern for you asks you, please don't come anymore. If something happened to you, it just increases my burden, and I already have on my shoulders the concern I have for all the churches. I know, I know, God God will complete the work that he's began in us, but yet this burden that he gives us for others is a very real and tangible thing. These churches are lighthouses in their community. I don't, I don't think even they understand how valuable the treasure that they have is or how important their role is. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the most powerful thing in the world because through this gospel, the very power of God is revealed. How do you cope if you don't have the gospel? How do, you, how do you survive days like these if you don't know that you are secure in the hand of the Father? My future is securely in God's hands. And God has prepared a place for me. Whether it's now or later, I know that one day I will be with him. There is coming a day when this mortal flesh must put on immortality. And I and you, we will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. This mortal flesh will fall away and we will be clothed with immortality and we will be forever with the Lord. That's the promise of Christ to us. If we have any confidence at all, it is in that particular promise. But while we're here, 
We pray for the churches. We pray for them to be the lighthouses that we need them to be in their communities. They are the ones who lift up and exalt Christ so that men and women can be drawn to him and find salvation. That's why they need to be strong in the face of persecution. They can't afford to be distracted by petty arguments or or by an inability to trust one another. They certainly can't afford to be defeated by self-indulgence or the little sins that get in and trip us up. The salvation of the world depends on whether they are faithful and fruitful. I also pray for the pastors and leaders of each of those churches, folks like Timothy and Titus, or Priscilla and Aquila, or Apollos and Epaphras. I pray that they will be examples to the believers, examples in in purity, in speech, an example in how they study the word of God and how they lead their people in prayer. And I pray that the believers in those churches will follow their example, that they will use their gifts, not for their own sake or for their own indulgence, but they will use the gifts the Spirit gives them to encourage one another and to build up the body of Christ so that the church can function as the lighthouse that it was designed to be. They're going to need to protect the unity of the Spirit that is given to them as God's gift. They must understand that the same spirit was given to all, and because of that, we are unified and united as one, and we have to protect that unity because it is so easy for our enemy to sneak in and destroy it by petty and inconsequential things. We must be pledged for one another, encouraging one another, especially in uncertain times like these. Suffering is frightening. It's not our desire to suffer. We want to avoid suffering, but not avoid it at any price. For we must be men and women of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there's one thing I never complain about, and that's about the food here, because they don't provide any. I've relied on the gifts and the support of my friends who have brought things for me. And I especially am grateful for the church at Philippi who has enriched me in so many ways. In fact, I wrote them just a few weeks ago and I just thank them again for their partnership in the gospel. It's hard to describe how significant it is to have partners together in this work, especially when it's difficult. I reminded them in that letter to live lives worthy of the high calling that they've received. I told them it's necessary to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Working towards that great day isn't an easy thing to do, but it's possible because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And it still is work. But most of all, I reminded them to be humble. It is so easy for the messengers of Jesus Christ to take on a superior attitude and then start judging everybody around them. We know that our way is best. 
We know the promises of God are glorious. And so it's easy for us to take that, that step of confidence too far and then begin to judge everybody around us and to act superior. We can't afford to do that. We must have the same mindset that was in Jesus Christ. Jesus who, on the very throne of heaven, determined that he would not hang on to his deity, but he humbled himself and became human. And not just human, he was born as a weak baby to a very poor family. And he lived among us. The humiliation didn't end there. I so wish I could have been in that room with the 12 apostles the night that Jesus wrapped the towel around him and washed their feet. Can you imagine the Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, washing your feet? Is there any greater humility than that? And yet that wasn't the end of his expression of humility for us. Because then he allowed himself to be tortured, to be beaten, to be spit upon, to in humiliation be hung naked on a cross and humbled himself to death all for the sake of his love for us. And we would think to act superior to anyone and not embrace the humility that Christ demonstrates to us. Jesus humbled himself for us. His way is our way. The way of the cross is the way of humility. That's why we've renounced all secret or shameful ways. That's why there's no arm twisting, there's no manipulation, there's no coming up with clever schemes to trick people into the kingdom of God. No, our way is simple, honest love expressed with humility. Because Jesus lived that way, because Jesus died that way, God honored him above every other and gave him a name that was higher than any other, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. I reminded the Philippians that the one who promises us eternal life is the one who has been exalted above every name and that his promises are true. And that's why we're joyful. His promises to us are true. They're ours, they're valid. Our security for the future is anchored in his word. And so we are people of confidence because of who Jesus is. I also reminded the Philippians that we can rejoice continually because of that. I wrote that to the Philippians, and I remember writing the same kinds of things to other churches across the years, but there's no problem in repeating that advice, 
Because given the suffering and trials of the day, it's easy to forget that rejoicing is always appropriate. We should rejoice, 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 because our God is so good. In our rejoicing, we can be gentle because we know Jesus is near us. We don't have to worry about the future, but the things that tend to worry us, we can bring to the Father in prayer. And the peace of Christ will guard our hearts as we do that. I also reminded the Philippians of a few other things because it's easy in days like this to let our minds run on the difficult and dangerous things. But I said, rather, rather than let your mind run on the troublesome things, rather than rehashing yesterday's injustices, think about whatever is true and honorable. Think about what is just and pleasing. Think about things that are pure and commendable. And don't forget for a moment that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. It's good to remember that he is at work even when we're not present. He is at work while we sleep. He is at work far away. And that's incredibly good news for us. Sometimes we think the only work that's getting done is the work we're doing. But it's just not true. I never thought the church in Thessalonica would survive. They were hit with such severe persecution so quickly, I thought they would wither and fade away. But God was at work. I never thought that the church in Galatian, in the Galatian area would stand firm. The temptation to, to sink back into Judaism was so strong for them. And, and people from Jerusalem had come and told them they had to. And how they managed to stand firm against the temptation to go back to a legalism that could not save and stand firm with the gospel of Jesus Christ, whereby faith in Christ we live, was the work of God again. He was at work. Candidly, I wasn't sure that I would ever escape Jerusalem. If God hadn't put my sister and my nephew in a place to learn about the plot on my life, I never would have gotten out of the town alive. And yet, God was at work. But I'll tell you, I knew he was at work when he told me I would have to give testimony before the emperor. And once God speaks, then you know. Every time my courage failed me, God was faithful to me. And I am confident now, here as I stand in Rome, that I will have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in the court of the emperor. And I believe that the reason for that purpose is so that through Rome, all the world can know the saving grace of Jesus Christ, so that no one need perish, so that everyone can come to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I, I don't know whether I'll survive that testimony or not. It doesn't really matter all that much to me. For to live is Christ, to die is gain. Candidly, I'm not sure which I would prefer, 
It's better far for me to go and be with Christ. But while I'm still in the flesh, I can pray for the churches and I can do the work of an evangelist and a missionary and I can encourage you and and receive the encouragement for the body of Christ. So as long as I'm here, I will do the work that God has given to me to do. Regardless of what happens, know this for sure. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God for the salvation of the whole world, for everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ. I think I heard a disturbance out in the street. I suspect guards are coming this direction. You you probably need to go. And please, don't risk coming again. But thank you so much for your visits. They have been so encouraging to me. It is so helpful at this time in my life to see the fruit of the gospel in lives of others and to be able to share the richness that the Holy Spirit brings to our lives. If I don't see you this side of heaven, I'll be waiting for you just inside the doors to that place. Don't miss that day. You won't, will you? I mean, you've made the necessary preparations to be present on that great day, haven't you? You've you've accepted Jesus Christ by confessing with your mouth that he is Lord. You've invited him to be the Lord of your life. You've, You've repented of your sins and you've turned away from them. You've embraced the work of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you understand it's necessary to obey the voice of God. You've forgiven all those people that you held grudges against before you became a Christ follower, and you're continuing to forgive and embrace those all around you. I mean, if you've done all those things, then you can with confidence know that you are ready for the day of his appearing. And he is coming. And with confidence, you then can say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. God be with you till we meet on the other side. I'd like to pray with you one last time before I go. Gracious Lord, Master of the universe, bless these dear friends of mine. Keep them in your care. May they be strong and courageous like Joshua. May they stand firm on your promises. May they live as lights and lighthouses wherever they find themselves. May the joy of the Lord be their strength. And may we together, Lord Jesus, spend all of the days of eternity with you. Praise be to God, who is able to keep us from falling and to present us before his throne faultless and blameless on that day. To him be glory in the church, now and forever. Amen.
Maranatha. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, put you together, spirit and soul, body and mind, and make you fit for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go in his grace today. You are dismissed.